Hello, and welcome back to Project 99. It is February 12th, 2021. Uh, we have a couple of different things to touch on before we get into the... Uh, impeachment saga. The meat and potatoes of the podcast, which is the impeachment saga. Um, round two. Yeah, I wish some I movies it should have a sequel, but this one kind of <laughs> had to. I wish I had one of those bells, like... Ding, ding. <laughs> Let's see it. Okay, so I guess to start off, we could just jump right into some state news. Um, what do you got for me, Mick? Well, Joe Manchin is now being called the king of the Senate, and it's an interesting twist in politics that West Virginia, which only has like five electoral college votes and is usually the most ignored, one of the most ignored states in the presidential election, um, has come down two cycles now to where Joe Manchin, being a conservative Democrat, is the deciding vote in a lot of things. Um, if you might recall back to way back when uh, Trump wanted to abolish Obamacare entirely, and Joe Manchin voted, you know, against that and um, riled the president, had some ire. Trump had some ire with him over that, threatened to primary him and all that business. But, um, you know, I wrote to him about that, and he, he basically said he had no plans to you know, do something that was going to hurt a lot of West Virginians, which I appreciated that. Manchin's not my favorite guy, but I feel like if there's an issue that's important to you and you reach out, you know, that's all you can do. Um, and I, I have no respect for Shelly Moore Capito. Yeah. So, I have her on my phone because I send emails to her office all the time. Like anytime that there's something going on, they're mm -hmm. like, send an email to your local representative. Right. So, but she's saved in my phone as that bitch. Shelly Morgan. Yeah, like I get those two where it's like a petition or yeah. something and it says, this is your sentence. Like just click this and it'll send it to your representatives. And um, I got some, it, the last time, the only time I did that was on the war in Yemen. And by the time her office got back to me uh, with, the, with a response, it had already been vetoed by Trump and she felt the need to tell me that Bernie Sanders had submitted a, um, you know, resolution to stop backing the war. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. Like, what, what, like, where are you? She's useless. It's like, was so far behind. It's like, when, when you're up more up to date on something than your senator is, that's, that's pretty sad. I mean, I'm sure she doesn't get that many people um, writing her. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people are either on your side or they're not. Like, that's how, the, how it is. So when somebody writes you and says, listen, like, I know we're on opposite sides of this politically, but this is my case on it. Please listen to it. And they send you a letter back so late that it's, that's, that was just, that was a slap in the face. Yeah. I'm pretty sure when I wrote to President Obama that he got back to me quicker than, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Capito got back to you. But, uh, okay. So I also had a story too. I thought it was just interesting um, because I mean, that decision that Joe Manchin made uh, on Obamacare was obviously good for the people, but I can't help but think that West Virginia being the, uh, coal pushers that they are can agree with this story I read. It says, West Virginia Senator Manchin to President Biden, avoid major curbs to natural gas fracking and horizontal drilling, which is interesting because we know that the the more popular that natural gas gets, the less important coal is going to be. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's, you know, pushing Biden to continue, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, to he wants him to continue sector, this. Though. Yeah, but I mean, it just you think somebody from a coal state would be like, oh, good, he's curbing this. Well, no, because gas, our but. state gets money from the oil and gas, too. So, I mean, you got to look at it like, yeah, I understand what you're saying as far as like him supporting coal workers and there's like some competition there. But like who's lining his pockets? I mean, who's paying for his campaigns? Right. I mean, him, him and Capito is going to be 
you're going to get donations from, I mean, and I, I have not looked at him on, on Open Secret, so disclaimer on this, but I would assume that both he and Capito get money from, you know, the energy industry. I'm just surprised that, you know, typically you see backlash from people when there's anything that might hurt coal mm-hmm. and like, no, nobody said anything but about I think that. He's, I think he's made some statements before that, you know, we need to start looking at other, other, you know, energies that we can't just drop it. Right. But he's not one of the people that says, let's burn coal until we die. Like, I don't think he's, he's, he's taking that position, but I think it's just realistic to understand that we're going to have to transition. Oh, I think it is too. I think it is too. I don't but I think environmentalists on that point though, environmentalists frustrate me because. I mean, it's kind of like a. I don't know, this whole Trans-Canada thing and the North Dakota pipeline and all that. Um, I just, I mean, they already came out and said that the the amount of sustainable, sustainable permanent union jobs were going to be far less than what, you know, everybody's spouting that like, oh, Biden lost all these jobs. Like, we already know that that was just like a, to try to get people riled up, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily have any issue with natural gas, but I also don't agree with running it through Native Americans' lands. Right. Like, my uh-huh. thing is on that one, okay, if there is an issue with the uh, the pipeline going through that, those people, this is what I would do if I was president. Plus, is this if for I was king for a day. Like, like, this is Trans-Canada. It is for so. Trans-Canada. It's Canada to transport their gas to, a re- or oil to a refinery in Texas. So, they don't have a refinery there. They can pump it out of the ground, but it has to be refined. I guess there's already refineries in Texas that do that. So, that's why they got to get it to there. Uh, okay, so as far as environmental impact, let's say there's no pipeline and you got to truck all this shit. Like, that's going to put out a lot of fumes, trucking this stuff in semi-trucks. So is the least impact on the environment, maybe a pipeline is le- less of an impact. However, if I was president, king for a day, whatever you want to say, I would go and talk to the CEOs and I would sit down with them in the travel leisure and say, listen, like, we understand your concerns. If there's no way we can mitigate these concerns, could we take the pipeline a different way that somebody else right, yeah, exactly. isn't going to complain about it? Like, I feel like there's a lot of solutions that aren't black and white. And do people, how much time do they invest in trying to find something everybody can agree on? Well, America likes to do everything with an iron fist and it's like, we're going to do it the way we decided and you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it comes to these massive blow-ups and disagreements when in reality there's more one more than one way to skin a cat you know what right. i mean like we and could, as far we could as probably... environmentalism like it's great i consider myself an environmentalist but i'm also realistic and you know when you look at countries if you go and do a search of all the countries and what their level of uh renewable energy use is okay sure there's like a couple tiny islands that have like the cayman islands and stuff that are 100 percent on renewable energy but they use like a speck of energy compared like megawatts per hour right. is like 400,000 and we use like 4 million or something per year. And when you look at the world's what they say the world's biggest polluters, okay, it is China, Russia, the United States, India. Why is that? Because we're the biggest in size. So in other words, even if say 50 even if we outrank somebody in the percentage of renewable energy, we're still going to pollute more because we just use a massive amount of energy. I think a lot of it is going to come down to reducing our energy usage. Like, right. how do we th- make things more efficient? You know, how do we? How do we just as well? A country- Americans as a whole are wasteful as well. I mean, we we just waste everything. We waste power. We waste food. We just just right. everything. Right, right. I mean, Consumer they talk about culture is yeah, crazy. We we yeah, we are not very uh, conservative with those things. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because, like I said, I mean, when when they started talking about all this. West Virginians were outraged because, oh, you're going to hurt coal. But then, you know, 
Manchin says this, and I just haven't heard anybody say a peep about it. I thought that was interesting. That like, well, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on right now that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I had for state <clears throat> news. So uh, we do have an Elijah McLean update. Um, do you have that article pulled up? The cops that are that were involved in that are trying to. They get were their... trying to get their jobs back, and there was an article saying that as of this point in time, they have not been. You know, they haven't they haven't been given their jobs back. So I mean, that's good at least. I think they were eventually fired there for taking pictures. Yeah, they were the fired. Facts. Yeah, they were fired immediately after the incident. But like something about they went back and took pictures there and then they ended they're up like being smiling fired. and something. And so that's what actually got them shit canned. But and then um, what was the other one we had? Rittenhouse. <clears throat> Rittenhouse was, if you guys haven't heard any update on him, he was after he was, you know, bonded out of jail, he went to a bar and was and was posing for pictures, drinking. Yeah, we covered He's underage. Okay, we, we covered, covered all that. that last week. So, um, he hit the the prosecuting attorney or district attorney asked the court to consider rearresting him because I don't know if they're doing home checks on him or if he has a. I don't think he has a, an ankle bracelet or anything. But he, anyways, he wasn't he wasn't at the residence where he was supposed to be, where he told the court, like, this is his residence. He wasn't there. Which, imagine murdering somebody and getting out of jail without even an ankle bracelet. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't get that. But anyway, so the they were like, listen, he, he was out on bond, did, all, did these egregious things. Like, we want him rearrested. And they're saying that he, you know, he's a flight risk. Now, if you got a $2 million bail paid for, for you by the p- pillow guy and some other right-wing people... Obviously, getting on a private jet and fleeing the country isn't going to be that big of a problem. So, um, anyways, the court declined to rearrest him. So, but he does have to tell where tell them where his where he's going to be. But the judge in the case was kind of like, um, you know, he's like, well, we don't know where most people that are out on bond are, and I'm like, wow. That makes me feel so great that, you know, people kill people and go to jail and get bonded out and you don't even care where they're at or (laughs) like West Virginia. When I was um, interning in the court system in Marshall County, um, they they did want to do a lot of like home confinement stuff because jail is expensive to taxpayers. Right. So they did try to do a lot of home confinement stuff and um, they make the person pay for it. And they keep a tight lid on you. Like we had people that were in on house arrest that we would go to their house randomly to see if they had like alcohol or firearms. And they're like walk through their house, check their fridge. You know what I mean? Like if they that was the agreement of them being out on bail or whatever, we just like pop in their house and check on them and make sure they were following the rules of their thing. And I'm just like, wow, this guy like killed some people. And it seemed like they're like not that worried, like what he's going to do. But yeah, I don't know if you heard either, but that psycho my pillow guy got banned from twitter <laughs> he is and, seriously uh, out there he also uh like his products got dropped from most of the major retailers so i'm like that's what you get culture. i mean sometimes i'm like did you hear briefly i'm i don't watch uh the star wars series i'm just not a not, not oh, a big no, star wars but person. i heard about the lady that yeah got, like i haven't even seen that movie yeah but. apparently her and uh ben shapiro were gonna do their own <laughs> entertainment thing i don't know they were talking wow about i was like wow it's gonna wow. be wow uh, uh, ex wrestler and or ex mma person and ben shapiro like you can't get too opposite is that what she that. was Excellent. she was she was an mma fighter before she went into acting. i didn't know that yeah. i had no idea i don't know anything about her don't know who she was if you showed me a picture of her i'd be like i have no idea who this chick is but. yeah i just like saw the buzz about it and i was like this is pretty funny 
Um, anyway, what else do we have here? Uh, oh, talking about the Biden sanctions on Myanmar, uh, Myanmar, 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 Myanmar. I always say, I always say, and it it's wrong. also being referred to as Burma. If that's confused some of you, because it used to be called Burma, and some people still call it Burma, but it's Myanmar is the current correct name, I think. But um, somebody had mentioned that Biden said Burma a bunch of times. I'm like, so what? Like people know what he's. I'm talking about but anyway it might confuse some people so yes Myanmar yeah he wants to but that's a good move I like that yeah I he wants to that. impose sanctions on the military that did the coup there because they're like still arresting people like today I guess they arrested the aide of the woman who um was basically the on the democratic side that won the election you know was on the, the they arrested his opponent they arrested they arrested her put her in jail it's sad what's happening there I mean people you know, we really don't appreciate our freedoms here. People around the world have had to, like, fight and fight and fight to get, you know, democracy. And then you have a military coup. Like, it's got to be just I know. Like, Doesn't it disgust you, too, when people are like, I got freedom. I'm not wearing a mask. And you're just like, <laughs> wow, you guys really don't know what's going on in the rest of the world, do you? Like, It is sad. But um, I want to say, I want to get her name. Hold on one second. Okay. Because she is... Um, Okay, and this is why I can't remember it, but it's Ong, A-U-N-G, San, S-A-N, S-U-U, San Su, Ki, Ki, K-Y-I. So forgive me, but that's her name. And if you read about her, her dad actually was um, killed when she was two years old because he was fighting for democracy in Myanmar. So it's like goes on and on. And there's a big, long story. If you get a chance to watch anything about her, she's... um. She's 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 like a revolutionary figure. She's kind of like the Nelson Mandela of Myanmar. Uh, she's been spent 15 years under house arrest. It's really crazy, like what she's had to deal with, and now she's back arrested again. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Biden did that, but unhappy about yeah, okay, that Biden is continuing to persecute Julian Assange. Um, yeah. And Amnesty International, um, first of all, the UK denied. Um, the U.S. extraditing him because we have the death penalty here and the U.K. does not. And they I think it's part of their general laws that they will not extradite a person to a country that has a death penalty because they don't believe in it and they don't trust us to not execute the version or maybe torture them like we did in Guantanamo and shit. But um, so Amnesty International, uh, this article is <clears throat> on their website. And it says Amnesty International joins civil liberties groups to ask Biden to drop case against Assange ahead of tomorrow's deadline. And this was this was yesterday. So today is the deadline ahead of t today's deadline for the U.S. to submit their appeal against the U.K.'s decision to extradite Julian Assange. Amnesty International USA have added their voice to the letter sent to the U.S. Department of Justice calling on President Biden to drop the charges against WikiLeaks founder. So now is a good time. I don't know if they did respond today, if the U.S. did appeal it. I'm guessing that they did. But, you know, Biden, this is one of those issues where lots of progressives are serious about Julian Assange. And most people here either don't give a shit, have forgotten about it, and are not even going to know if he pardons Julian Assange. I mean, it'll be on the news for like a blip. But, you know, you had Sean Hannity and all these guys when Assange released Hillary's emails like, interviewing him, patting him on the back. You know, Trump said, WikiLeaks is the greatest thing ever. So you had like the, the left wing loved him for a while. And then when he released stuff about Hillary, then the left the, or the Democrats, I should say, started hating him and the right started liking him. And the guy just been yanked all over the map. He's like, listen, I'm just putting shit out there. <laughs> 
Y'all make whatever decisions you want to like make. Actual but like actual journalism. <laughs> I'm just going to put this stuff out there. I mean, the timing of it was a little... Um, let me just say this. When Assange released it, he said that he felt like the American people had the right to know this before the election. So it wasn't like he didn't do it with any uh, expectation that it would sway people's minds. But my, my point on it was, they're Hillary's emails. It's the, if, the, if it's the truth, then it's the it's truth. It's the truth. The truth is the truth. And if it's released video of people being tortured when we say we don't torture people if it's released video of us killing people in a military thing that we shouldn't have done like then we you shouldn't be locking up people that report war crimes lock the war criminals up <laughs> you brought right. me a shirt that said <laughs> yeah so i'm really upset about biden on this one and if and if anybody's out there like you know put on his twitter wrong move on assange you know this is journalistic freedom and you know, many of you probably don't know about the, um, you know, the Nixon Watergate thing. But like when the New York Times um, or the, I'm sorry, the Washington Post, when they broke that information about about the Watergate break in, there was people screaming for them to be arrested. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Should not be. The Pentagon Papers. I mean, that's that. It's, it's scary to me that, you know, after the events that went on in the Capitol, I can't believe that already the news is like moved on to something else. And uh, yet Julian Assange can't come home. You know, right. it's just fucked up. It's fucked up. But um, that was all I had to touch on Biden for now. Uh, so you want to just dig right into impeachment round two? Okay. The princess Trump couldn't be uh, bothered with? Yeah, I mean, even if he wanted to, like he's strapped to a chair doped up because they are not going to let him someone said he was going to represent himself and i was like you <laughs> like that sounds right you know what i mean like that sounds like because you can't write the stuff that trump does you the most creative crazy writers in the world can't think of the shit that he does i mean he's predictable but at the same time like who does that right so um i watched the i listened to the first entire eight hour day of the um i guess you'd say the house managers team the impeachment teams case um even though i was walking through walmart i had it up to my ear i was listening to it i could not stop listening to it it was riveting it was emotional it was graphic um it was exceptionally well put together and um normally like court tv used to be actual courtroom tv like they just literally sat there with their camera in the courtroom and you could watch the entire trial beginning to end and if they had two tr important trial, high profile trials going on, they would bounce back and forth between it. But it wasn't like it is today. It was like total courtroom, like the drama of the courtroom. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll hear like arguments, even I'll listen to arguments in the Supreme Court and whatnot. And I just think, why didn't they argue this? Or why didn't they argue that? Or why did they do this or that? This case, this one blew me out of the water. Like they really did. I felt like they put together you know, it was, like I said, it was, it was a combination of emotion, but also they did this timeline where they showed, you know, Trump speaking and then the crowd going there and like what was happening at every moment. And they showed clip, video clips of what was happening inside. Um, and there was a point where uh, Nancy Pelosi's aides went into an office and you could see them on the surveillance camera running into the office. And then like seven minutes later, like the crowd was beating on those doors, like trying to get in, like, and you can hear them yelling, Nancy, where are you? Nancy. I mean, it's like terrifying to watch it. And, um, you know, they were saying they were going to kill her. Uh, and then the, there was the video of the people looking for Mike Pence saying they were going to hang him, hang Pence, hang Pence. 
Um, and there was, um, and today, just today, they were saying on, on the news that, you know, when Trump was, eva- when uh, Pence was evacuated and you see him like with his family, like going down these stairs with the uh, Secret Service, he had the nuclear football with him. <laughs> and it's like, you know, not that these people, if they would have gotten a hold of him, would have known what to do with it. But like the situation is like they have a hostage situation now. You know what I'm saying? Where they have like the vice president in the suitcase there. And like, what if they, you know, try to force him to do something with, I mean, I don't know. It's just like the idea of the fact of how close they got inside was terrifying. Um, and they showed a lot of, you know, like graphic video of people beat up and stuff like that. And that was disturbing. And, but, um, they, they took the case all the way back to when Trump was running for office and, you know, his defense, when they got their turn, um, did try to, you know, tear that apart and say, well, like this charge they gave him is incitement to insurrection and incitement means immediately right then in that moment incited them to the insurrection. But, you know, what, what the, the house managers were smart enough to realize is that they're going to say, well, you don't know what Trump meant when he said those things. He was saying, he also said, go down there peacefully. Yeah. He said, fight 20 times, but he also said, go down there and have your voices heard peacefully. He did say that one time. Um, and you know, so I think what they did effectively by showing his pattern of behavior is one to establish in his mind what his desire was that day, and also to show that he knew when he said those words what the outcome was going to be. You can't play ignorant and say, oh, I didn't know that when I said go down there and fight that they were going to do that. You can't plead ignorance when, you know, you've said liberate Michigan and an armed militia shows up on the steps and then only that, but you say good job, you know, and they went through a series of things like remember when I'm sure you remember when the um, Biden bus was run off the road by a bunch of wacko Trump supporters. And he said, you know, that he enjoyed, he liked that. He, he, he said they were escorting them. Like he puts things in ways that will keep him to a certain extent from, from, from actually being like culpable for something. But it's the nod and the wink and the yes, you did a good job by harassing them and putting them in fear. Like that's what he wants to do is put people in fear. And um, I think they did a really good job of establishing that the intent was for them to go there at the very moment that the Electoral College was being counted for Biden to stop the steal. I mean, I really feel like they effectively drove home that message. Like when Trump stood up there and said, stop the steal, how exactly were they going to do that? It was being counted at that moment. How do you stop it? There is no way to stop it. You know, you go down there and protest and say, we disagree with this. That's not going to stop it. How do you stop it? You stop it by storming the building. And, you know, I think that even though Marjorie Taylor Greene, they can't hold him accountable for what she said. I think given that they were building this case as a, you know, build up to January 6th, the fact that before the election even started, he was saying it was going to be rigged. Like there obviously was no proof that the election was rigged at that point because it hadn't even started yet. So they, they developed this whole planning process. And, and um, you know, there was a video of her in December of 2019 where she was saying, go storm, if we just go up and storm the Capitol, just storm in, just take it over. They won't be able to do anything. Um, so 
there was a long time, a long standing plan among the extremist element of Trump supporters to do that. Um, it was out there. And to suggest that he didn't know that is crap. So um, they did a really good job on that. And then uh, the, the thing they said was um, Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame. And um, they, another thing they also did was they showed a lack of his, uh, they showed his intent by his lack of action. So once it was starting and underway, he literally did nothing. And they played clips of all these Republican, um, like Chris Christie and other people appealing to Trump on news channels, saying, Mr. President, call this off, call this off. You're the only one that can call this off. Make it stop, make them stop. So, you know, is it really unreasonable to believe that um, Trump caused it if he's the only one that can stop it why would you think that because he's the only because he's the one that caused it and everybody knew that those uh rioters as insurrectionists were only following orders given by him and they played multiple clips where people in that you know angry mob were saying things and then they would play trump saying it then it would show a clip of a person saying something and then trump saying the exact like verbatim the same word for word thing that he had said so um, I, I think that they did a really good job. They, a couple mistakes they made, which were picked up on by the defense attorneys, um, which was kind of, kind of pathetic and sad, but there were a couple times where they showed tweets of the president and for some reason, the date on the bottom, they weren't actual screenshots of his tweets. They somehow had recreated them. Now, the defense attorney did not argue that the, what Trump said in those tweets was inaccurate. He pointed out that the date at the bottom, it was all circled in red, was, not, was, was January 6, 2020, not 2021. So here we go again with Sandy Hook. <laughs> Conspiracy, look, oh, they're manufacturing evidence. And they actually said they manufactured evidence. They accused the house managers of splicing and editing video to create more of a, uh, you know, an appearance that Trump was, was menacing than he was. And I did think I will give them points for um, where the house managers had played a video per se, and they stopped. They played the video where Trump said, you got to go fight, you got to fight like hell. And they stopped it there. The defense team went ahead and played that the rest of the way through where Trump said, and you know what, if they don't fight for what you want, you have to primary the hell out of them. So he was suggesting a political option to them in that one sentence. Um, so I think that was a point on the defense part to say that, look, they're showing you a clip. But they're not showing you the whole context. Um, but overall, I feel like if this was a real jury, there's no way Trump would walk away. There's absolutely no way. But, you know, when they say jury of your peers, they don't mean jury of your golfing buddies. And pretty much that's what the Republicans are. Um, they, three of the Republicans, um, Ted Cruz and uh, Mike Lee and Lindsey Graham, went and met with the, with Trump's lawyers yesterday. And it raised a lot of eyebrows because obviously your jurors shouldn't be, you know, collaborating with the defense attorney, but you know, it's not a trial. So even though it looks really bad that they did that, there's nothing, there's not, they're not going to, it wasn't anything criminal that they did. But, um, 
I think they were in there telling the defense attorneys what to say today <laughs> because um, Trump didn't have the best lawyers. Uh, the first the first guy that spoke in the opening statement was a train wreck, and that was all over the news, and, I'm, and it pissed Trump off that all the media was showing this guy was bumbling, he was rambling, he was talking about stuff nobody gives a shit about. Um, it was it was pretty bad. And the second guy that spoke was just angry and saying like stupid shit, making like talking about Trump hate and how the Democrats are just driven by this immense hate for Trump, like <laughs> right wing talking points. I mean, it was pretty bad too. Um, now today, when they actually put on their defense, which the the house managers took their almost their full sixteen hours if they didn't take their full sixteen hours. Um, and they took like three hours today. <laughs> and uh, I think that uh, Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham, who are both attorneys, believe it or not, um, told them, listen, we're, most people, you don't really have to worry about us indicting him. So just don't do any damage like, to your case. Try not to say anything stupid. Like, I think that's what they told them. So they pretty much argued Trump has a First Amendment right to free speech. And unless you can prove that his speech was, even though it was political, political in nature, um, and, you know, he has a bully pulpit, he still has a right to, you know, speak his mind and blah, blah, blah. So they were on a big First Amendment um, diatribe. And then the second leg of it was to talk about um, his uh, incitement. What does incitement mean? And they referenced this case, which I hadn't heard of before, and it was Brand, Bra Brandenburg v. Ohio. So, um, you know, they, they, were, they were talking about um, how in that case, there's a three-pronged requirement. When you say someone incites a crowd, what does that mean? Like specifically under the law, what are, what are the elements you have to prove to say someone incited someone? Well, I hadn't heard of this case before, so I went and looked it up. And um, basically, Clarence Brandenburg was a Ku Klux Klan leader <laughs> in rural Ohio. And he called this television station to come on down and cover their KKK rally. Now, this was back in 1969 or something. But anyway, oh, 64, 1964. So they called this journalist down there to film their KKK rally. And there's, you know, several dudes in robes and hoods, like you've seen, carrying guns and burning crosses and shit. And um, they make these speeches talking about revenge against, you know, people of color and, and Jewish people saying they're going to get revenge on them. And they also claim that, quote, our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court continues to suppress the white Caucasian race. And um, so they announced plans for this march on Congress to take place on the 4th of July. Um, and then a separate part of the speech talked about sending blacks back to Africa and Jews to Israel. So anyways, um, Ohio law at that time had a law call, uh, called criminal syndica syndicalism. <laughs> and a criminal syndicate syndicates like a crime family, right? And so if you were caught with a bunch of other people assembled for the purpose of um, encouraging violence for 
uh, sabotage or any kind of thing like that, terrorism, to accomplish industrial or political reform. And in case you wonder what industrial is, that's labor organizing. <laughs> so, um, you know, they were such terrorists. But anyway, um, so I, I just found it really crazy that you're up there defending the president, ex-president, who's accused of inciting a mob. This is the case you got to, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's a bad look. You know what I'm saying? When you're going to be like, now the analogy in this case, President Trump is the KKK leader. <laughs> I just was blown away by that. Um, so I didn't think that was a good look. And then uh, they, they threw a lot of right-wing talking points in today uh, when they're making their defense. Uh, talked about cancel culture conservatives being oppressed in their free speech rights. They always come up with cancel culture too, but don't you think cancel culture is just like a direct result of a free market? <laughs> I mean, doesn't that make sense? Like if people don't like you. Right. A boycott is a form of canceling, right? You're saying, right, I, I mean, have a right to spend my dollar where I want to spend it. So I don't have to support you with my money. That's that's a boycott, but it's but it would also be considered a type of canceling somebody. And now people get into arguments over Twitter and all these different things. I mean, I definitely think some people take it like to an extreme over the the smallest stuff. But I mean, it's there. It's they have every right to do that, you know. Right, like this actress you were talking about. Yeah, that was in the Mandalorian. Like I've never seen the movie. Don't know the chick. I think whatever. it's a TV show. Oh, it was a TV show. Okay, yeah. so I've like wouldn't known her if if you had showed me a picture, I wouldn't know who it was. Yeah, but. total nobody. But there was a, a some article or something I saw talking about how she's been dropped now from the show because they don't want to be associated with her because she said these horrendous things, I guess, on social media. And, you know, when people say, oh, it's cancel culture, it's blacklisting, stop and think about this for a second. When you produce a movie, you're producing a product that you make money from. Therefore, the people that are in that movie are part of your product. And if people decide they don't want to come see your movie because somebody is on Twitter being a hardcore racist, what I, I don't know what she was doing in particular. I didn't look it up. Uh, she said something about uh, Nazis and uh, Jewish people. And um, I don't know. I have to read the direct quote, but there was one something thing in the article that she said. And when I read it, I was like, that was the, that was the thing. But, but you know, in any event, that person making money from you they hired you to do a job. Now you're going to cost them money because you've made their project, their, uh, made their product unpalatable to a large section of their audience. So guess what? You canceled your damn self. You have freedom of speech all you want. But like what happened to Roseanne when they went on about, oh, Roseanne, she's been so discriminated against. I'm like, fuck Roseanne. Roseanne has a free speech. She has a right to say whatever she wants to say. But if people are like, I don't want to see that bitch's face. She's a nasty, hateful person. I'm not watching any show with her on it. The network's got a decision to make, you know? Now, if you say something that's kind of mildly offensive and people are like, well, I don't like it, but I'm still going to watch a movie because it's a good movie. But if you go so far in saying, spouting hateful shit, hey, you got a right to do it. But you can't make people like you and you can't make people buy shit with your face on it. Okay. They, they just, they don't have to. And that's a thing that cracks me up about conservatives. They act like the minute you decide not to endorse them, you're canceling them. No, I have freedom too. And I have a freedom to tell you that you're a piece of shit and I don't want to be associated with you. Like that's my right too. So 
But yeah, they, they included a list of conservative right-wing talking points. And it was kind of a waste of time because it was completely irrelevant. But, um, and I will say this too, the lawyer that the most um, efficient, how, is it, how should I say, like competent, the most competent lawyer that they had spoke today. And, but he was such an asshole. Like, you know, when you study law, like they tell you when you go into the court courtroom, that so much of your effectiveness as an attorney depends on whether the jury likes you or not, flat out. If, uh, you know, if you go in there and you're a woman and you're really hardcore aggressive, you might be, you know, you might think, well, men are aggressive, but if you got a jury with, you know, eight men on it and they find you offensive, it distracts them from looking at the facts of your evidence. So whether you like it or not, how you're perceived affects how well people listen to you. And that's a big part of being a good attorney. The first guy that was a train wreck on the opening statement, I think his, his uh, MO when he goes into courtrooms is to be a really nice guy and to try to make everyone like him too much. And he just, he was like that uncle that you don't know that well that wants to sit down next to you at the family reunion and tell you shit. And you're just like, I don't, I don't care because I don't even know you that well. Stop acting like you, you're my friend. That's how he came across to me. But this guy today. That was oddly specific. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying, though? No. Or like some guy on the bus that like starts talking to you about his like. Oh, it's in my client's Neighbor's cat too. coming onto his porch. You're like, I don't give a shit, dude. Like I'm, I'm smiling and I'm being nice, but I don't. I really, you're pushing the limits of my not fucking caring. That's how this guy today was like talking. <laughs> the opening statement guy was just bad. Like, oh, man. It was bad. Like you were graded to like listen to it. Now, the guy today that was talking, like I said. He knew some case law. He brought out case law, and I respect that aspect of it. But, you know, yesterday, 15 of the Republicans didn't even show up. They didn't think it was worth their time to show up. Now, maybe they were watching it remotely somewhere because they care about COVID. <laughs> you couldn't even, Suddenly. Say it. couldn't even say it without laughing. I mean, yeah, like they, they, they didn't want to be there because of COVID, right? Um, they were all there today, I think, but three, but yeah, like 15 of them weren't there. They were MIA yesterday. I wish that I could just like, I don't know. I wish that I could have the blatant disregard for the law that so many of them do, because it's like the more and more that I learn about our legal system and how attorneys manage to argue these things. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I used to have this appreciation for the law and I don't think I have so much of an appreciation for it anymore as just to like, I have to learn this because what the fuck is going on? Right. <laughs> and that, uh, I don't know. Every time I watch anything that has to do, I mean, not even just, just the specific mm -hmm. impeachment trial, but mm -hmm. anything, I'm just like, God, this is fascinating. It is fascinating. And you know, I love the fact that he brought up case law because what I like to do is, you know, lawyers will come in sometimes and they'll they'll quote this case or whatever. And then when you go and you look it up and you look into the details of the case, it actually isn't exactly representative of what the argument they're trying to make. Right, exactly. And so I like when judges call them out on that, be like, well, that's kind of a false equivalency. It doesn't really match in this case. Now, like I said, this case that he brought up today, the Brandenburg case, I mean, it seemed very similar to Trump's situation, except for the fact that that guy wasn't the fucking president. Right, yeah, you're missing that whole whole uh piece there right and i think that too that the um you know what the impeachment manager showed was that this wasn't a five minute in a speech that all of a sudden 
these people decided, oh yeah, Trump's right. We should go storm the Capitol. This thing was sold to them for months. They, the stop the steal thing was out there. These militia groups were had pre-planned, premeditated this shit. Like, in the one thing their defense attorney, Trump's defense attorney tried to argue was that, okay, the impeachment managers are saying that were it not for Trump's insightful words that day, none of this would have happened. Does anybody believe that? And he goes, I do. You know why I believe it would have happened anyway? Because it was premeditated. The, the criminals. Now, this is another thing. I hope Trump's peeps are listening up because he is more than happy to throw you bitches under the bus to say he had you nothing know. to do with your criminal, your horrible, your riotous, you your know they're behavior. not. They're not watching any of this. Well, some of the Proud Boys were peeved because they thought he was going to give them pardons, and he didn't. He walked out off and did give them shit. He gave Michael Flynn, who promoted this bullshit, and Roger Stone, who invented Stop the Steal two year, four years ago for the 2016 election, and revived it in the 2018 election. And if you if you listen to Trump speech that day, he says, and you know what we're going to do? We're, something that you all thought of. And he feels the need to like reinforce himself to tell them that they thought of it because people think they literally, that was grassroots shit and they thought it up. And Roger Stone, that was a psyop Roger Stone <laughs> yeah. thought of. They don't even realize it. But Y'all anyway, ain't even original. <laughs> so anyhow, um, but they he tried to say that, you know, all of this, the pipe bomb guy, did he, was he immediately incited by Trump's words? No. But if you listen to any of their argument, I don't know, maybe you were out hanging out with the 15 Republicans who didn't feel the need to fucking be there. But they actually said this was a months long incitement. This went on and on and on with the court cases and with the right wing TV and with the right wing radio. And was, honestly, I feel like if they go through with this and they actually find him responsible, that they shouldn't stop there. They should go after the people whose responsibility it is to like stop the shit in its tracks while it's happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we need to fall back on some responsibility on everyone. No, exactly. And if you're telling me that we don't have anywhere and anywhere in our government and all of our intelligence agencies, FBI, CIA, wherever, we don't have someone that's like, hey, hold up. This needs to be investigated. If we don't have one of those people, we should probably fucking get one. Well, the probably problem is they are investigating these people and um, their information is being pieced together. No, I mean, specifically aimed at, hey, is the president like, about to start like a coup. <laughs> like, oh right, right, right. Like, no, I whose think that, fucking job no, listen, is it to be like, hold up? No, listen. Everybody knew he was going to do a coup. I think I will give credit to Bill Maher because Bill Maher was talking about Trump doing a coup like a year after he was in office, and was telling, and everybody was like, "Oh, Bill, come on, he's outrageous," but it's not like he's going to do a coup. I mean, so I got to give it to Bill Maher on that one. Um, but. There were articles written. There was an article written, I think it was in Forbes magazine, talking about what if Trump refuses to leave office. And it was written a long time ago. Like People were genuinely realizing it. But it's one of those things that's so far out there that you're just like, no, he wouldn't really do that. But, you know, but as he started to bust down all these barriers and do all these things that were inappropriate and illegal, really, you know, bribing witnesses with with by putting pardons out there on Twitter. That's that's manipulation. That's witness manipulation. Witness tampering. You can't do that, but he did it and he suffered no consequences for it. So the point is that all the time that Trump was in there, the things that the guardrails that should have kept this from happening, none of them worked. 
So as it got closer and closer, there were tons of people saying this shit was going to happen. And the FBI warned that there was an attack that was going to happen that day. So the, and and another thing they said was, you know, if you look at the length of time between when the actual attack, attack started, when the wall, when the, when the barriers broke down and they went past the line and, and if you don't get, if you can look up just that segment, that was some pretty, that was some pretty, being a person who's done a lot of business over the radio, hearing that police officer who had been overwhelmed, um, calling out saying, we've lost the line, we've lost the line in a kind of panicky voice. Now, when you do that shit every day and you're not prone to panic and you're sounding like that on the radio, that's bad. And you know, it's bad. And, um, he was, he was calling for help, you know, saying we, we lost the line. They're inside. We lost the line and telling all the the officers inside to retreat basically to go into the tighter inner circle of protection that was, you know, basically start emergency plan fucking B because plan A is done. We're done out here. Um, and if you can listen to that radio traffic, that, that was pretty, that was a pretty emotional thing there. But, um, yeah, I really didn't feel like his defense team put on a very adequate defense of him, although they did have a shitty client and shitty, I mean, a, and a, a ton of evidence against him. It's kind of like, well, you got a video of your guy going in and murdering the jewelry store clerk and then taking the jewelry out and then going and selling it. <laughs> yeah, we have video of all that. You know, so they had a shitty case, but I just... I, I wasn't, I was not really, really impressed with them. You know, I'm, eventually I feel like it would be interesting if we could collect a number of cases uh, and a lot of different subjects that this touches on. But America has two legal systems. Um, well, actually, there's several different facets of it, but it's just super clear that the laws are not applied in the same way in any situations. Absolutely I mean, not. we talk about this impeachment, we talk about this Rittenhouse thing, and we know clearly that race is a big motivating factor in that. Sure. But also wealth inequality, you know, rich, poor, two different systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be interesting to just find some really contrasted, stark different cases for, the, for America's two faces of the legal system. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so obvious. Well, you know that case that they cited... Um to basically give Trump freedom to say whatever he wants to say up until the point of saying, go kill that person. It was interesting to me to note, too, that Brandenburg lost his case at the local level, and then he appealed it. He lost again. He appealed it. He lost again. He appealed it. He lost again. It wasn't until it got to the Supreme Court of the United States, which is why it became case law, that they said that, you know, well, if people get together and they're just meeting and they're just talking about violent things that doesn't we that, you know that has to be protected because you can't just start throwing people in jail the minute they say something like and and to that extent you know i i kind of see where they're coming from but like there but there has to be so for the incitement there has to be like this immediate the understanding that when you say this thing this thing is going to happen immediately and I think that was clearly shown by the House of managers. I don't think that their defense was a defense because they're saying, well, to prove incitement, you have to show these things. And I'm like, yeah, well, they did that. So, like I said, of course, they're going to acquit Trump. Um, I believe they're going to acquit Trump. 
I would be very surprised if they convict him. But this, to me, is the signaling of the implosion of the Republican Party, which I'm more than happy to see them implode. But I think in the process of their imploding, we're going to see a lot more extremism. And, you know, we I don't recall ever in politics seeing this kind of, um, like, retaliation against people for how they vote. So, you know, when John McCain uh, voted against removing Obamacare, it was like, oh, you're a traitor, you broke the ranks, you know what I mean? And um, there's like this want now to like retaliate and control people. How is that freedom? How is that, how is that democracy? You know what I mean? If one senator, like, like Susan Collins or, you know, Lisa Murkowski decides like they don't, or, or uh, um, Mitt Romney decides that, no, I've looked at the evidence and I feel the other way. I know we're in the same party, but I feel the other way. It's instantaneous threats. And you look on our Twitter and it's immediate. The one Republican who changed his mind on whether the, the uh, impeachment was constitutional, he's from Louisiana and he's a, he's a staunch Republican. But he listened to both sides' arguments. He said the House managers made a good argument for why it's constitutional. The other side didn't make a good argument. So he voted that it was constitutional and immediately his, tw- his Twitter starts firing up with these people. Bad call, man. Bad call. And I'm just like, here we go. And if you remember, they threatened Lisa Murkowski. They threatened Susan Collins. They was going to take her out. They, you know, vote wise now. They was going to vote her out. Uh, Joe Manchin, he's going to get voted out. Like they made all these threats against these people for voting what they felt was the right thing to do. And they're all still here. Of course, I think they both caved on Kavanaugh, right? Collins and Murkowski, didn't they both cave on Kavanaugh? I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. I can't recall. That was when the big threats were coming in towards them over that vote. But uh, I don't know how I feel about that whole thing. I think, uh, I don't know. That was a complicated one, Kavanaugh. I tend to believe women. I don't, I, I really, I mean, I'm not a fool. I do know that people will make things up to hurt other people, but I just. Mm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all that. It's a complicated situation. It really is because, you know, you don't know how far back you can get evidence of things, but we don't want to become a country where we're convicting people on. Yeah, I struggle with that. A story that has zero evidence, but then you also have to understand there are people who are victimized who, unfortunately, it's a private type of crime where they don't have evidence. Like the children that were molested by priests, they didn't have hardcore evidence they just had their witness testimony i tend to believe that even if there is zero evidence if if several people have come forward that's a pretty good indicator that is a good indicator on the flip side of that you know you have to consider people's financial motives you have to consider uh, political motives for example i just think that you know one of the things that made me think uh you know that you can't just immediately be like oh you have to believe all women all the time was that whole amber heard thing with Johnny Depp's wife, ex-wife, because mm-hmm. she came out and said that, you know, he abused her and all the stuff that he did to her. And then, like, later, Depp's attorneys ended up releasing all this evidence to prove that it was actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. That he was the one mm-hmm. being abused. And, right. I mean, she almost ruined his career over it. Mm-hmm. And people all jumped on that bandwagon. And, of course, like, I didn't want to believe it because I like Johnny Depp. But I was just like, man, that sucks. I can't believe he's, like, beating his wife. And then all that shit came out. And I was like, phew. Johnny Depp made the impeachment. He made the impeachment. What? 
Yeah, he was. He was in a video clip. What? Mm-hmm. He was. He was evidence. He was serving up as evidence. So I'm glad you mentioned him because I was, forgot about that. Um. So they played. You're, I feel like you're kidding right now. No, no, you're no. Joking. I'm not kidding. So they played a clip of all of these Democrats saying the word fight because they took issue with the fact that Trump said the word fight. So they spliced together, and I swear to God, it was so irritating because they it was literally like. They found every clip they could ever find of any Democrat saying the word fight. And you know how many times Elizabeth Warren was on that. I'm going to fight. We're going to fight. This is our fight. Like, And it was nonstop flashes of people saying that word. And then they started to, and then after that, they went into clips of people saying very incendiary things, which this one I think was not a good look for the Democrats. It was totally irrelevant, but they were trying to do the whataboutism, like, and he clarified beforehand, like, this isn't what aboutism. This is just to show you that people do sometimes speak in very passionate ways and that all should be protected. The speech I'm about to show you should be protected and President Trump's speech should be protected. But anyway, it was what aboutism. And um, they played a clip of, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Goodness gracious, just went out of my head. Um, a black lady from Congress that said, uh, told people to go and confront uh, members of Congress in their uh, Maxine Waters. Um, so she told people go to these restaurants, you know, confront people. Like, or, I don't know if she said restaurants, but she said go where they are and let them know they're not welcome. Tell them, you know, get in their face. Um, you had, uh, uh, you know, there was, there was a whole big long clip of basically Democrats saying like really incendiary things. Um, not like, well, I don't know. Um, there was one joke or Cam- Kamala Harris was on um, uh, Ellen. And she says, okay, you're in, you're in an elevator. Now it's either with Mike Pence or Trump or somebody else. I forget who she threw else she threw in there. She goes, uh, so which one would you rather be stuck in an elevator with? And, and Kamala said, does one of us have to come out alive? And it was a rip-roaring laughter that she thought of that. Like, obviously she's making a joke. She's not saying she's going to kill somebody. That was in there. And Johnny Depp was there because he was on stage and he's like, he kind of seemed like he was drunk. He's always drunk. Okay, so it wasn't me. So, um, and he's like, how many years has it been since someone's assassinated a president? <laughs> oh, spicy. And then there was the clip. But of- I mean, there's a difference. He's a celebrity, not the president. True. And then and then there was one of Madonna. Remember when Madonna was at the pink cat, the pink pussy Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about blowing up the White House. And so that made news. I remember when that happened. It was like, oh, my God, what is she saying? But I think the thing that that people have to take into context is this is one fucking statement. One statement. Isolated statement. Well, not only that, but these people are entertainers. Right. I, I mean, mean well, maybe, not the, not, yeah, but, maybe not the politicians. But, you know, you, but, can, you can tell when someone's making a joke. You can tell that. But, but what the, the house manager showed was this wasn't a one-off statement from Trump. And they showed clips of his rallies where he said, punch him in it, punch him, you know, next time, knock him out and all this stuff. And then the next rally, somebody got knocked out. And so, um, and interestingly, they also played clips of Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, who, if you recall, ran for president against Trump. They wanted the nominee. And um, Ted Cruz was interviewed and he was asked about Trump's violent rhetoric. And he said, oh, it's, you know, when a, when a person running for an office uses incendiary language it just it just takes the whole tone down and you know 
I believe it could lead to violence. Like he says things like that. And then you got Rubio saying the same thing, like not as dramatically as Ted Cruz felt the need to do it. But Rubio was basically like, you know, when you say enough things, like sometimes people like listen to what you say and, you know, you're the one setting that kind of example and that kind of tone or whatever. So both of these guys were saying back in 2016 that Trump's rhetoric could lead to violence. But now they're saying, well, of course it didn't. <laughs> It's like, do these people not know that we have video of you saying all these things? But um, I think, let's see. Oh, did we say Manchin wasn't going to block the checks? Did we already say that? No, we actually didn't cover that at all. So, yeah, we talked about Manchin being king of the Senate now because his vote is like. Yeah, amazing. first he said he wasn't going to support the checks. Then he doubled back on that and said he would. At the um, insistence of Jim Justice. Oh, Jimbo. Jimbo said, people in Virginia need them checks, man. Come on, Joe. Get them checks out there. And I'm like, wow. Like, Jim Justice is trying to get poor people money? I don't know what that's about. I don't know what to think about him. I don't like him at all. (laughs) I think there's something disgusting about the fact that he's like West Virginia's only millionaire. Um, Billionaire. Billionaire. Is he a billionaire? No, I think he's only a millionaire. I think he's only a millionaire. I'm going to look it up right now. Um. But yeah, he's super fucking wealthy and the rest of our state is just miserably poor. And I think he's an idiot, but he has his moments. Jim Justice, as of 2017, has a net worth of around $1.2 billion. Gross. Dollars. Wealthiest person in West Virginia. Yeah, there Jim you go. That's, that's, okay, so I quoted it wrong. He's West Virginia's only billionaire. But like, I will say that he is one of the few Republican governors who diverted from Trump's no mask mandate. He did put the mask mandate in. Yeah, eventually. Okay, but I'll give credit where credit's due. He did do that. And he actually did do it very late because I was still working whenever. Yeah, we were like following behind Ohio. I mean, we might have been behind Ohio, but you know. But actually, West Virginia is like... The wine uh, doesn't give a hoo-ha about what party anybody's in. That's true. <laughs> we are, West Virginia is doing really well with our vaccinations uh, so far. We have a lot of people being vaccinated, and our rates of coronavirus are dropping. Um, mm-hmm. So it looks like, you know, as Jermaine said today, he posted today, he was like, we might be able to party this year. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Except now I'm like trying to uh, avoid alcohol. So I'm like, well... I have to find all these other things to consume my non-corona time with. but Yeah, uh, Jim Justice is known as the deadbeat billionaire because he never pays his bills. He's like Trump. That's why he's got too much money. I don't pay his bills. So, yeah, he's a corrupt POS. But, I mean, I will give him credit for institute, instituting the mask mandate because this is West Virginia. You know, you got a hardcore Trump people here that's hating on masks and shit. So I was really surprised when he did that. But he also was, like, begging people to, like, use some common sense. Do you remember when he used to drop the F-bomb? <laughs> yeah. That was the one thing that made me kind of like him for a minute. <laughs> follow the fucking, fucking guidelines. <laughs> that was good. Fucking follow the guidelines. And yeah. it, he should have just owned it, though. Yeah, he should have. You know, well, we couldn't give Clinton that advice. He should, Clinton should have just owned it right up off the bat. But but uh, that's all I have. That's everything on the board. You have anything else, Mick? I do not. All right, well, on that note, uh, this is Juke signing off. This is Mick signing off.